my mind of you And everywhere I turn is a reminder Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Why did God the Father create Barah Ministries? God the, provider, God the Father provides millions of places like Barah Ministries all over the world so all of his creatures can get to know the Savior of the world, our Lord, Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah. Jesus Christ is God. And the Bible confirms his deity so many places in so many ways. Titus tells us Jesus Christ is not just a man. Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. We believers in Christ are looking for the blessed hope with absolute confidence. We're looking for the appearing of the glory of our great God who is our Savior, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus who gave himself as a sin substitute for us to redeem us from sovereignty to every lawless deed, that is, sin, and to purify for himself a people for his very own possession, a people who are eager to do good deeds. No man ever died to pay for the sins of the whole world. That is the work of God. Jesus Christ is God. And we owe everything to him. He created us and he freed us from slavery to sin and from slavery to the Mosaic law. All praise and gratitude to Jesus for his wondrous work on our behalf. As believers in Christ, we know that the Lord's work at the cross has cleansed us from all sin, all unrighteousness, all ungodliness. And we gladly bring our conduct into conformity with his will. At Barah Ministries, we introduce people to the Lord. We make a difference by teaching the Word of God from God's perspective and not from man's perspective, and we teach it verse by verse. We don't think church is a concert or a singles bar or a therapy session or announcement fest or a place to contribute to a building fund, although that is useful. All of those things have their place. But church is a place to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who created you. You get to know him by studying his exact thoughts outlined in the Bible. The Lord himself commands us to study the word, and he offers a reward when we do. He exhorts us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, My sons, do not forget my teaching." 
but let your heart keep my mandates. And what mandates are is his commands. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 2. For my words will add length to your days and years to your life and the peace of God to your soul. How comforting to know the Lord provides everything we need to thrive in Satan's kingdom until we believers in Christ go home to be with him. Yes, God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world for a finite period of time. In John chapter 12, verse 31, the Lord says, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. He will be dethroned from his rulership of planet Earth at a future time. Satan is a perfect, gorgeous, well-dressed former officer angel, and he is a brilliant genius. He blinds the minds of unbelievers so that they don't get to know God and so they don't see the power of the gospel message. He disrupts the chance for the Lord's believers to become intimate with him by distracting us to meaningless pursuits. If not for the Lord's protective power, everyone would be defenseless against Satan. The spiritual life is warfare, and your soul is the battleground. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, believers in Christ are reminded that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against human beings. It's not a physical struggle. Our struggle is spiritual, against the rulers, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, against Satan's spiritual mafia. Many believers in Christ, through Satan's encouragement, have abandoned their spiritual lives for a counterfeit spiritual life. Yet we rejoice knowing that in the future the Lord will take over planet Earth and rule it in righteousness for a thousand years. James chapter 4, verse 7 reminds us, Believers in Christ, submit yourself to God. Obey Him. Resist the devil by standing fast on your victorious ground, and the devil will flee from you. Follow the Lord, and He gives you the desires of your heart. Today's Bible lesson, meet your quite imperfect spiritual parents. Meet your quite imperfect spiritual parents, where there's several ways to trace your ancestry. Most of these programs are inaccurate, but you can trace your biblical lineage with surgical precision. If you're a believer in Christ, who are your spiritual parents? In today's lesson, you'll meet your human spiritual father and your human spiritual mother, and it may surprise you from whom you are descended. Well, let's hear some music. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, God owns each of us. You believers in Christ are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. June Murphy says it in a song, as believers in Christ, we are God's property.
grateful heavenly father for the privilege of studying your absolute truth the word of god father thank you for introducing us to our spiritual parents in today's lesson thanks especially for letting us know all the people in the bible are the same as us real people who make real mistakes who struggle with the gift of faith you have given us as we study today let us settle into the idea that you never expected perfection from us 
What you really want is that we trust all you have done for us by investing our faith in your Son, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for salvation. And after investing our faith in Christ's saving work, to continue spending our faith to follow the direction of our mentor and teacher, God the Holy Spirit. We ask these things through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, Meet Your Quite Imperfect Spiritual Parents. Meet Your Quite Imperfect Spiritual Parents. Well, we continue our study of Paul's letter to the believers in in the first century Galatian region, which is modern-day Turkey, in the second half of Galatians chapter 4. Paul's challenging this group of believers the same way he challenges 21st century believers in Christ. He encourages us not to be duped by false teachers and their false teaching. You'll remember how Paul admonished the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 1. He said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? The Galatians had fallen for the sales pitch of false teachers. Satan's emissaries, who were out to shipwreck the faith of this new set of believers in Christ. This is the same strategy Satan uses to bewitch believers in Christ today. Listen to the passage, Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. Here's what it says. It says, tell me, Galatian believers who want to be under the law, do you not listen to and learn from the law? Galatians 4.22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, Hagar, and one by the free woman, Sarah, Galatians 2.23. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman was born through the promise from God, Galatians 4.24. This is an allegory, for these women are two covenants. The covenant to one woman proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves, she is Hagar. Galatians 4.25. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, which is modern-day Egypt, and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Galatians 4.26. But the Jerusalem from above is free. She is our mother. And of course, that's a reference to Sarah. Galatians chapter 4, verse 27. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. Galatians 4, 28. And you believers in Christ are like Isaac. You are children of the promise from God. Galatians 4.29, and just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so it is now also. Galatians 4.30, but what does scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman Hagar and her son Ishmael, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with Isaac, the son of the free woman Sarah, Galatians 4.31, So then, believers in Christ, we are not children of a bondwoman, Hagar, but we are children of the free woman, Sarah. 
will welcome believers in Christ to an introduction to your human spiritual parents, Abraham and Sarah. This is a fun lesson. For you to understand the significance of this passage, we have to take you back into the Old Testament to let you hear the story of Abraham and Sarah, your human spiritual parents. What you'll see is the same thing you experience in your own life. Abraham and Sarah were quite imperfect and downright stupid at times, just as we are today. The nice thing, despite our imperfections, God loves us unconditionally. He can use imperfect people to accomplish his perfect purpose. So let's take a look into Genesis. We're going to look at chapter 15, 16, 17, and 21 to get a profile on the lives of our spiritual parents. Now, Abraham was 75 years old when he started following the Lord. He was worshiping the moon god. He was really into his dad, so he was a Muslim because the moon god is the current day uh, uh, religion called Islam. And let's see what uh, the Bible has to say in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I, the Lord, am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Genesis 15, 2. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I'm childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Genesis 15, 3. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Genesis 15, 4. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, which is a promise directly from God, saying, This man, Eliezer of Damascus, will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. Well, cue the laughter. Abraham was, Abram was 75 years old, and even though Abram placed his confidence in the Lord for salvation, he could hardly believe his ears that a son would be born from his own loins at his age, especially because his wife Sarai was barren. Genesis chapters 16 and 17 tell the next part of the story. Genesis 16, 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children because she was barren, which means she was unable to have children. And Sarai had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. Genesis 16, 2. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please have sex with my maid. Perhaps I'll obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. There's the imperfection of human beings. Abram had a promise from God, but he got impatient. He and Sarai decided to take matters into their own hands instead of waiting for the Lord to fulfill his promise. Can you relate? Isn't it awful when God chooses not to work on our time frame? Genesis chapter 16, verse 3 and following. And after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. Two wives. <laughs> oh boy. Genesis chapter 16, verse 4. Abram had sex with Hagar, and she conceived. 
And when Hagar saw that she had conceived, her mistress Sarai was despised in her sight. Genesis 16, 5. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me by be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when Hagar saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. Nice job, Sarai. You give your husband an idea, he does it, and then you blame him. Thank God that never happens today. Thank God women never give men an idea And then when they do it, blame them for the idea. Amen? (laughs) I only heard men saying amen. What happened to the women? Amen? (laughs) (laughs) Genesis 16, 6. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated Hagar harshly, and Hagar fled from Sarai's presence. Genesis 16:7. Now the angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. Genesis 16:8. The, the angel said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Genesis 16:9. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Genesis 16.10 Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. Genesis 16.11 The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Genesis 16:12 He will be a wild donkey of a man. What does that mean? He will be crazy in his head. And he st- <laughs> and he still is today. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all of his brothers. Genesis 16:13 Then Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, have I remained alive here after seeing him? Galatians, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 16, verse 14. Therefore, the well was called Bir Lachroi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. Genesis 16, 15. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Genesis 16, 16. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. In Genesis chapter 17, the story continues. Genesis 17, 1. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me. And be blameless. And of course, that's a reference. Blamelessness is a reference to Jesus Christ. Or, I'm sorry, is a, is a, a reference to believers in Christ. Genesis 17, 2. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Genesis 17, 3. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, 
As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. Genesis 17.5 No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Genesis 17.6 I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. Genesis 17.7 I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, after your descendants after you, throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Genesis 17.8 I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings and the land of all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Genesis chapter 17, verse 9. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. Genesis 17, 10. And this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Genesis 17, 11. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. There's God's sense of humor. Every time Jewish males go to the bathroom, they have a reminder of the covenant. Genesis 17:12. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. Genesis 17:13. A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh as a reminder for an everlasting covenant. Genesis 17:14. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Genesis 17:15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Genesis seventeen sixteen. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Genesis seventeen seventeen. Then Abram fell on, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Genesis 17, 18. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Abram wanted Ishmael to be his heir. Genesis 17, 19. But God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Genesis 17:20. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. 
Genesis 17:21. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. Genesis 17:22. And when the Lord finished talking with Abraham, the Lord went up from Abraham. Genesis 17:23. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all the servants who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money every male among the men of Abraham's household and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the very same day as God had told him to do. Genesis 17:24. Now Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Ouch! <laughs> Genesis chapter 17, verse 25. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Genesis 17, 26. In the very same day, Abraham was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, was circumcised. Genesis 17:27. And the men of his household, who were born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. All right, let's skip ahead to Genesis chapter 18, beginning at verse 9. It says this, Then three men standing near Abraham said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She is there in the tent. Genesis 18.10 And the Lord said to Abraham, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah your wife will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind Abraham. Genesis 18:11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and Sarah was past childbearing age. Genesis 18:12. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, "After I have, I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also?" Genesis 18:13. And the Lord said to Abraham, "Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old?" Genesis 18:14 The Lord asked, "Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son." Genesis 18:15 Sarah denied laughing, however, saying, "I did not laugh, for she was afraid." And the Lord said, "You did laugh. What a great idea, Sarah." Argue with the omniscient Lord. We skip ahead now to Genesis chapter 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. The Lord always keeps his promises. Genesis 21.2 So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God has spoken to him. Genesis 21.3, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, which means laughter. The Hebrew pronunciation is Itzak. Well, that's the Lord's sense of humor. You laugh, name your son a name that means laughter. Well, when we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll see what Paul has to teach us about our spiritual parents in the last half of Genesis Chapter 4. Why you ever chose me? 
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, Meet Your Quite Imperfect Spiritual Parents. Meet Your Quite Imperfect Spiritual Parents. Well, when you're giving, what's important to God is your attitude. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says this, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we give, God wants us to give voluntarily, thoughtfully, cheerfully, prayerfully, generously, and enthusiastically. I urge you believers in Christ to check your attitude as you give. Make sure your attitude is an exact reflection of your voluntary, thoughtful, cheerful, prayerful, generous, and enthusiastic sacrifice that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, made on your behalf at the cross to provide you with a so great salvation. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Check, 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 check. You should hear me. Hello everyone, my name is Denny Goodall and I'm blessed to be a deacon at Barah Ministries because I get to get up every week and ask you to donate your time, your talent, and your treasure because that's something that's special to Christ and it's an actually a form of worship and Christ delivered for us so we should deliver for him and I was thinking about it, you think about the UPS, there's so many moving parts Pack, to get a package here it has to go through terminals and trucks and people and machines and there's so many moving parts but in the end, it delivers. UPS delivers. And you think about, um, <clears throat> whatchamacallit, you think about a shepherd. A shepherd has to deal with all kinds of crazy sheep. Most of them follow the lead, but not all of them. There's always a couple screwy ones that go off where they shouldn't, and they've got to deal with that. But at the end of the day, they get the sheep delivered to where they should be. And that's really what Christ did. He came down in true humanity, undiminished deity, died on the cross, was that didn't die on the cross. He gave up his life on the cross. Buried, resurrected, ascended, but he ultimately delivered for us. So it's not easy. There's going to be some troubles along the way. It might be hard. There might be some screwy people, and there might be a lot of moving parts. But we will deliver. Barah will deliver. God will deliver. And so we just need to remember at the end of the day, like our imperfect parents, we're imperfect too. We just need to do as much as we can each day with Christ, with our spiritual gifts. And that's what we deliver through is our spiritual gifts. So today and like every day, your opportunity is to give to Barah Ministries, to give to Christ through your spiritual gifts. So thank you for always giving and is today your day to, to deliver. And my verse confirms the deliver, delivery factor of Christ. I got carried away. Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For God the Father rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He delivered us. So just like on the cross, he delivered. This is your chance to deliver for others. So hit it, Denise.
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, meet your quite imperfect spiritual parents. Meet your quite imperfect spiritual parents. Well, Deacon Denny, when you're giving the offering message, I was thinking, why isn't he talking about uh, FedEx instead of UPS? But I realized that you were talking about Brown, because UPS is Brown, and so you were really talking about Brown people, like your pastor. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate that. Because brown people deliver. Amen? All right then. <laughs> All right, now that we have the backstory from Genesis about Abraham, Hagar, and Sarah, let's see what Paul is teaching the Galatian churches in the second passage of Galatians chapter 4. Now, God made a promise directly to Abraham 25 years before he fulfilled it. I don't believe you heard me, so I'm going to repeat it. God made a promise directly to Abraham 25 years before he fulfilled it. And last week in our uh, session afterward, there was a question about, well, why does God take so long to deliver? Well, here it is, 25 years. He promises, and then 25 years later, he came through. So just be patient, because... As Deacon Denny said in the offering message, he delivered, he always delivers, and what difference does it make what the timing is? Because he's orchestrating things on your behalf. God is patient. We are not. Well, the Lord made it clear to Abraham that there are only two approaches to a relationship with God, and only one of those approaches is effective for salvation. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 says this, Abraham believed in the Lord, and his faith was credited to him by the Lord as righteousness. And righteousness is what you need to have as your admission ticket to heaven. Those who count on God for their salvation, the born-again ones, are gifted by God with spiritual birth through their faith in God's promises. Those who count on self for their salvation... Those born according to the flesh, those born of self-reliance, those who want to be born again through their own works, are not saved. It's that simple. Now let's look at the passage under study verse by verse, see what it is that Paul is telling the Galatian believers. Let's start at Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, says Paul, you Galatian believers who want to be under the law, Do you not listen to and learn from the law? This is a rhetorical question. Paul is saying to the Galatians who want to become more Jewish that the law never teaches allegiance to the law. Paul asks, are you even sure what the Old Testament says? And that's the problem with people. They don't know what scripture says. The Judaizers, the false teachers with false teaching designed to shipwreck the Galatians' faith, are proposing that after salvation, if you don't become more legitimately Jewish by following rituals, rules, and law, you were never saved in the first place. Paul's point, the father of the Jewish race, Abraham, didn't do any of that crap to be saved. No rituals, no rules, no laws. It was faith in Christ alone. Law and grace don't belong under the same roof. The Lord even taught us 
that as it relates to marriage. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, the Lord warns believers in Christ, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? What partnership has faith and works? What fellowship has light with darkness? Another set of rhetorical questions. And the answer is none. No fellowship. Faith and works, light and darkness are opposites. The Judaizers thought of themselves as part of Abraham's lineage because they were blood-related. A blood relationship, though, is not a spiritual relationship. Abraham believed in God and was saved by God's grace through faith, a spiritual relationship. Galatians chapter 4, verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman Hagar and one by the free woman Sarah. Ishmael, the son of Hagar, is the product of unbelief. Isaac, the son of Sarah, is the product of belief. Isaac was born as a result of a promise directly from God to Abraham. This is the contrast between the Old and the New Covenants, the Old and the New Testaments. The Old Covenant is obsolete. Paul is telling the Galatians not to go back to it. Work, works, is a do-this-or-die approach to God. Faith is a trust in Christ and a live approach to God. Galatians chapter 4, verse 23. But the son of the bondwoman Hagar was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman Sarah was born through the promise of God. The whole world has only two choices, Hagar's approach or Sarah's approach. Being born according to the flesh, being the product of self-reliance, is a key lesson in Galatians. Self-reliance for salvation is a disaster. Galatians chapter 4, verse 24. This is an allegory, for these women represent two covenants. The covenant to one woman, proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who to be slaves, she is called Hagar. Mount Sinai is where Moses got the Mosaic law from God. It was a place of travail and turmoil, an unpleasant place with smoke and darkness and gloom and doom and earthquakes and thunder and lightning and fear of being under the law. There was no life in the law. What happened at Mount Sinai is analogous to Hagar. It's the old covenant, an old arrangement. Hagar represents man's efforts, which represent Judaism, Rules, rituals, laws, just like the typical way of giving birth, physically alive and spiritually dead. It does not work. Sarah represents God's supernatural work, making us a new creation when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work on our behalf at the cross. Galatians chapter 4, verse 25. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia which is modern-day Egypt, and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, those who rejected their Messiah, for she is in slavery with her children. To bring the allegory into focus, Paul says, Hagar corresponds to present Jerusalem, 
for she's in slavery with her children. Hagar represents the law, a minister of death. This is a direct attack on the Judaizers who have come from Jerusalem. They are children of Jerusalem, and they are slaves to the demonic forces of the world and to the Mosaic law. Paul's point, don't follow these false teachers. They may promise to show you how to be sons of Abraham, but beware, because with them, you will be sons of Ishmael, not Isaac. They teach you how to be slaves, not heirs. That's what legalism is. It's slavery. It is taking you from your freedom into slavery to rules, rituals, and laws, which can't do anything but make you frustrated because you can't keep them. Now, it's a capital offense to sin against God, and that capital offense is deserving of the death penalty, crucifixion, the worst punishment ever in human history. No one has ever been saved by lighting a menorah or keeping a Sabbath or honoring holy days. If the old covenant worked, there'd be no need for a new covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 to 33 says this, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new testament with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Jeremiah 31, 32, not like the old covenant, which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 31, 33. But this is the covenant, which I will make with the house of Israel after these days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart, and I will write it inside of them, not outside of them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. The Lord has not forgotten the Jewish race, even though the Jewish race has done their best to forget him. Romans chapter 11, verses 25 to 27 say this, For I, Paul, do not want you believers in Christ to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, perhaps becoming conceited because the Gentiles are the focus of this age. I want you to know that a partial hardening has happened to unbelieving Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Romans eleven twenty six, And so all Israel will be delivered from the tribulation. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, from the Jewish homeland. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob, which is a reference to Israel. Romans eleven twenty seven. This is my covenant with them, them being re- believing regenerate Israel, when I take away their sins. After the dispensation of the tribulation, Most Jews will believe in the Messiah after their 2,000-plus year timeout, after the church age, after the battle of Armageddon, which breaks their will. Galatians chapter 4, verse 26. But the Jerusalem from above is free, and that's a reference to Sarah. She is our mother. Sarah represents the Jerusalem that comes down from heaven above, where all believers in Christ will live one day. She is the mother of all Christians. 
the mother of those who by faith count on God's supernatural ability to deliver on his promises. Abraham and Sarah produced children of a faith-based promise. Abraham and Hagar produced that which is typical, a physically alive and spiritually dead child. Flesh and blood, the natural way of being born, cannot enter into or inherit the kingdom of God. You have to be born again, the spiritual birth, as the Lord told the Pharisee Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You have to be born again. Galatians chapter 4, verse 27. Paul quoting Isaiah 54, 1. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. Sarah spent 99 years, I'm sorry, 90 years being barren, putting up with women friends who were having babies and grandchildren, mocking her, but now the tables have turned through faith. She is the spiritual mother of every believer in Christ because God does things that are humanly impossible. This is one of the ways that we're dependent on him. When our strength is gone, his strength is perfect. Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. And you believers in Christ are like Isaac. You are children of the promise of God. Faith in Christ alone. Father Abraham, Mother Sarah, they believed God, and it was credited to them as righteousness. Galatians chapter 4, verse 29. And just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, Isaac, so it is now also. The Arabs contend with the Jews, and Abraham is the one who fathered both sides of the conflict. Ishmael, the wild donkey of a man at 17 years old, persecuted Isaac, who was three years old. Ishmael mocked Isaac, Sarah rejected Ishmael because of this. Galatians chapter 4, verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the bondwoman Hagar and her son Ishmael, the wild donkey of a man. For the son of the bondwoman uh, Isaac, born of the flesh, shall not be an heir, sharing the inheritance with Isaac of the free woman. Sarah. Galatians chapter 4 verse 30 assures us that not the Ishmael types, not the Judaizers, but the Isaac types will inherit the blessing of Abraham even though they may be persecuted in the process. Galatians chapter 4 verse 31, so then believers in Christ, we are not children of a bondwoman, Hagar, but we are children of, of a free woman, Sarah. We who live by faith in the Son of God don't rely on what we can achieve on our own. So we are not in the slave category. We're in the category of the free. Works-based people want God on their own terms. They contend, I think God should think in a way that is convenient for me. Paul is warning the believers in Christ in the Galatian region and the believers in Christ today, 
do not follow the Judaizers into slavery with Hagar and Ishmael, but follow Sarah and Isaac into freedom. Christianity is freedom. Religion is slavery. Most people have a negative reaction to religion, probably because it is slavery. Even those who are part of a religion feel this way. They know something just isn't right. Yet they put up with the hypocrisy of religion rather than investigating the things that their instincts are telling them, instincts incited by the convicting ministry of God the Holy Spirit. God is simple. He has two ways of looking at people. The people who are of the flesh are at odds with those who are of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, For the flesh sets its desire against God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit sets his desire against the flesh, for these two are in opposition to one another. Unbelievers, like the Judaizers, love to persecute Christians. People who like independence, the I-don't-need-a-crutch people, don't like the indictment of dependence. You know, us believers think, I need a crutch. And we look at the unbeliever and we say, it's too bad you don't think you do even though you're crippled. As Christians, we believe the Lord when he says, when we are weak, then we are strong. And we choose to count on the supernatural power of God while simultaneously rejecting human power. So that's the message for today. And it was fun to take you back into the Old Testament and give you that story. But it's a really simple matter. The flesh or the spirit, we get to make a choice. The flesh or the spirit, I'll take the spirit. Well, the closing moments of our lesson today could be the ten most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is for you to make the most important decision of your life. There's a person at the core of Christianity, the creator of Christianity, who cares about you. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He is the truth, and he wants a relationship with you. This is your chance to choose to have a personal relationship with him. Your problem is that you were born a sinner in God's eyes. Sinners need a savior. The Savior of the whole world is Jesus Christ, and he wants you to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this, This is what is good and acceptable in the sight of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who desires for all men to be saved, and who desires for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. You will spend eternity in the lake of fire at physical death if you choose not to believe in him. There's only one way to get to heaven, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ to save you, by trusting what he has done on the cross on your behalf. And if you're going to place your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation, you probably should get to know him. And while there are many things to know about him, here are the critical few things. The Lord Jesus Christ is your creator. John chapter 1 verse 3 says this, All things came into being through the Lord, God the Son, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. 
The Lord Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, The one who does not love unconditionally does not know the Lord, for the Lord is unconditional love. It's his person and it's his identity. The Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven all of your sins, past, present, and future. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25 says this, I, even I, the Lord, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. The Lord doesn't want you to work to please him. Romans chapter 11, verse 6 says this, But if salvation is by grace, and of course it is, It is no longer on the basis of your works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want you to go to the lake of fire. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation, as some accuse him of. Instead, he is patient toward unbelievers, not wishing for any of you to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance which is a change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect person to lead you to salvation. God's graciousness offers you a plan to be saved as a free gift. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 say this, For by God's grace you have been saved through faith in Christ for salvation. And that grace and that faith and that salvation are not from the source of yourselves. It is the gift of God the Father. So being saved is not as a result of your works, which are deeds that you do in self-righteousness, so that no one may boast about saving himself. So how can you get to heaven? This loving, forgiving, patient God who wants you to be saved is willing to save you right this minute. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation, I am the truth through the word of God, and I am the resurrection life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven, but through believing in me. So right where you sit right now, you can tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the moment of eternal life for you. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved by God, you and everyone in your household who also believes. So accept the invitation and heed the warning of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. Well, who is this God who saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. When you get to know Jesus Christ, you'll have no problem placing your confidence in him both for your salvation and for everything else. Why? Because the sovereign God of the universe wants a relationship with you. He loves you unconditionally. He died for you. 
So take advantage of his grace, and you'll be saved right now. Well, what happens if you reject a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 says, Then Jesus will say to those on his left, a reference to unbelievers, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, the lake of fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Those are neither words you want to hear, nor are they words that you have to hear. John chapter 3, verse 18 says this, He who believes in Jesus Christ, placing his trust in him for salvation, is not judged. He who does not believe in Jesus Christ has been judged already because he is in a state of unbelief about the person of the uniquely born Son of God. Take the easy road to salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Well, let's close with music. Hey, believers in Christ, do you ever wonder if the Lord knows you? He says he does in John chapter 10, verse 14. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Not only are you a possession of the Almighty Lord, but as Francesca Battistelli sings, he knows your name.
Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, thank you for not requiring us to be perfect. Thanks for giving us your written word so we can see example after example of how you use imperfect people to accomplish your perfect plan. People like Abraham and Sarah and Moses and King David and the apostles Peter and Paul. Help us, Father, to get off our own backs concerning our imperfections. Help us to realize the work of your Son at the cross to pay for our mistakes. Help us to focus instead on the tasks you want us to accomplish in Satan's kingdom as we lead people into your kingdom through the courtesy of God the Holy Spirit, as we provide the gospel message to the unbelievers in this lost and dying world. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Say it. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you have any biblical questions, ask the pastor at pastor at baraministries.com. Thank you for coming. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening.